Warning, MF Uncensored contains adult language and discussion. Listener discretion is advised. We're a couple of misfits. We're a couple of misfits. What's the matter with misfits? That's where we fit in. We're not that being dilly. Don't go wrong with Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MF Uncensored. If you guys are listening to us on the go, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and basically anywhere you guys get your podcasts. As always, I'm Paul. I'm one of the hosts, one of the co-creators, one of the people who do some of the work, but not all the work kind of guys. We want to thank you guys for joining us today. We have a very interesting interview uh, scheduled with you guys with Miss Kristen Sovel, who uh, is a writer, author, just fantastic story. It's going to be me and Rob uh, speaking with her. But before we get started, just a little bit of house cleaning for you guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Neil Getzlow and his book, Unmasked, Conquering Sexual Sin and Walking in Victory. Guys, if you've been listening to us for any stretch of time, you know that we're very big supporters of Neil and his book. We feel that his message is very important for people to hear. I've spoken to people that have gotten his book through us, and they just can't say enough great things about it. We also have our review on it live on our website right now. If you guys go to themisfitfaction.com and check out The Misfit Corner, you can find our review of Neil's book. You can listen to We have two episodes, one with just Neil and then one we just recently did with his wife, Amy, and they're both fantastic. Now, also, don't forget... If you guys want to get a copy of Neil's book, you can go to Neil Getzlow, that's G-E-T-Z-L-O-W.com. And if you use the code FREESHIP, not only is he going to be making a donation to an anti-trafficking charity that he works with, but also you'll get free shipping as a thank you from us for you guys. And we really do appreciate all the work that Neil has done for us and all the work that you guys have done for him too. We also have a really big announcement. Our brand new merchandise store is actually live on our website now. If you guys, again, go to themisfitfaction.com, you can find the Misfit store there where you're just starting off small, a couple of t-shirts for each of our shows, some stickers if you guys want to rock some swag. We also want to hear more from you guys about what you would like to see in our show. So make sure you guys check that out and check out our brand new Facebook group with it. We have the Misfit Faction Media Network on Facebook. It is a private group, but all you have to do is just send us a request and we'll make sure that you guys get in on it. Now, also, we are trying to grow and build, and we've had a lot of people that ask of us personally about starting their own show, which is crazy to think about. But if you guys are looking to start your own podcast or you're curious about it, if you guys go to podbean.com slash misfitfaction, you'll get a whole month of podcasting on us as a thank you to all of our loyal listeners over the years. You guys have been just so supportive about our show. In fact, MF Uncensored just broke almost 1,500 downloads, and we're barely into our second month. So thank you guys so much for that love and support. Again, that's podbean.com slash misfitfaction. Or if you want to sponsor not only our show, but get your uh, message out to anyone, trillions of podcasts out there, guys. If you have a small business, a book, anything that you'd like to promote yourselves, if you guys go to sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfitfaction, you'll also get $100 of free advertising as a gift, as a thank you from us for you guys. So now that all that boring stuff is out of the way, we're going to start with our brand new interview with Kristen Stovall. But first, a quick break. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of MF Uncensored. If you guys are listening to us on the go, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Paul. With me in the studio is Rob. Rob, how are you today? I'm really good, and I'm excited that I was invited to be on this show because this this one's up my alley a little bit. It is so, so up your alley that they probably even named the alley after nice. you. Rob's way. <laughs> I cannot wait. And uh, joining us today via the Zoom studio, as I've, I've started calling it with all these Zoom 
style interviews, we have Miss Kristen Stovall. Kristen, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? We're doing really well. And for all you guys who are wondering, well, who is Kristen? Kristen is an author. Yay! That's why guilty is charged. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because we we have authors on the show, and I don't ever pick favorites, yeah. but authors are always some of the most unique and creative that you could possibly imagine. Comedians are very fast-paced. So when we talk to comedians, we're like trying to keep up. <laughs> when we talk to, to actors, they're telling us you know, their experiences, their stories. But you have the unique ability, and I love it, you create worlds. So, and speaking of, speaking of worlds, where are you calling us from today? Kansas. Wow. Right in the middle. <laughs> right in the middle of Kansas. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. So, yes. uh, Kristen, for some, of our, for some of our listeners, please tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about your book series. All right. Well, my name is Kristen Stovall, as you so delightfully introduced me. I am a fantasy author. I became an author because I was working through the death of my husband when I was 28. So I went from newlywed to widow, which is kind of a shock when yes. you're going through it. And I turned to my love of fantasy and my love of uh, storytelling and creating worlds. And then I, I started with the scene of a young widow getting to say goodbye to the person she loved. And that scene turned into a story, which turned into a trilogy and then a prequel. And here I am. Wow. That's four, awesome. So you have officially now, if I got this right, four books that are completely released. You have a trilogy yes. and you have a prequel, correct? I do. I do. Yeah. Now, what is it about fantasy, though, that, that really gets your creative sense flowing? Like, because everybody has, like, what they like, what they enjoy. Like, for me, I, I love me some sci-fi. I love me the, the fantasy aspect myself. So I'm, I'm curious what about it uh, draws you in. Well, I'm very fond of the classic good versus evil. I've always liked those stories because in real life, good versus evil is so much more murky. Mm. You know, it's just, it's not black and white. And in fantasy, there's the good guys and the bad guys and you hope the good guys win. And then, you know, it also has the other two things that make any story great. And that would be swords and horses. So <laughs> that's very, you know. very specific. I like it. <laughs> You know, it, it's funny to say that because I think there's something that just innately draws people in about the good versus evil because I think it's like you said, in real life, it's a very murky subject. You know, as we get older, it only gets it only gets harder. Like when you're a kid, it's good guy, bad guy. I want the good guy to win. But now right. when you get older, you're like, well, is the good yeah, guy really? Shades of Grey in there. That's a different book series. It oh. is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think and we're that started out that. as Twilight fan fiction. <laughs> yes, it is. It, very good. <laughs> and it's still very – another interesting – look, we can talk about that forever. So since you bring up your love of fantasy, where where exactly did that love of fantasy first start? I, I'm guessing you read a lot when you were younger or was that something you picked up along the way? Tell us a little bit about that. I read a lot when I was younger. My parents read to me when, like from a very small age – they kind of had to skip kids books because they had read to me like, you know, from being a little bitty kid. And by the time I got to like kindergarten, first grade, I wanted chapter books. I wanted those mm. stories with characters and everything. And I remember one of my like earliest memories is my mother reading The Hobbit to me. Ah, oh, The Hobbit. Hobbit, yes. 
Yeah, and just imagining all of that and then being really upset originally when the Lord of the Rings did not follow Bilbo. <laughs> but then they but took then, me a while to like Frodo. But then they made three movies of Out the of, shortest book of the, the series, yes. The Hobbit. Yeah, they did, and they did things that made me cringe. But I'll bet. Um, I mean, they they also made some nice casting choices for the dwarves, so I can't complain too much. <laughs> so, if you had to pick then between Tolkien and Rowling, which side would you lean more towards? There is no side. There is only Tolkien. <laughs> You don't you don't ask wow. Lord of the Rings fans questions like that. It's okay. always there's one ring to rule them all, That's not true. a bunch of books. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, like Harry Potter's cute, mm. but it's Savage. it's not Tolkien. I love it. What is it so much that you enjoy more in the Tolkien books than in say other series or other authors? Well, I really I have noticed that I gravitate toward European fiction a mm. lot more and it they do tend to go more with the the legends and the good versus evil mm. i read this really interesting article where they talked about american fiction being a little bit more about moral than good versus evil which mm. i found fascinating but i love the depth that tolkien goes into and just the world that he's created and there's just so many layers to it it's, yes. it's incredible and then the language and and just the elves i mean i'm not gonna lie the elves <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because, like, the elves and all the language especially, it's a culture that's created inside the book, and it, and it's just a testament to the creativity. I, I will be honest. I am not a Lord of the Rings fan. I, I respect Lord of the Rings. And <laughs> this guy. I'm a Star Wars fan. Let's not let's – not... Okay, Star Wars is good too, though. I mean, yeah. that's – I have a lightsaber, and when we get done here, I am – so playing Star Wars The Old Republic because that's my my treat for finishing the week. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I think I did see that on, on your Facebook page that you were you were saying that you were going to be playing one of the Star Wars games well, that, at one point. That's so. even funnier because I like Star Wars The Old Republic. I, I haven't played in a while, but like I was a big fan of it. Knights of the Old Republic 2. And my wife, our producer and like major bibliophile, in fact, she has an Instagram page called Bibliophiles Assemble, shameless plug. She <laughs> plays WoW. That's her, like her jam. Oh, she cool. loves World of Warcraft. And yeah. like the two of us will be sitting there and I'm playing Star Wars. She's playing World of Warcraft. And I'm like, mine's better. And she's like, not really. Star Wars is better. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen to time. So, but I'm, I'm an Imperial sniper. So I'm, oh, I, you, you I lay, like being an imp. You lay out in the, <laughs> out in the sticks and hit people from far Actually, away. <laughs> I did get the opportunity to write an article about Star Wars, the old Republic at one point oh, wow, um, yeah. a few years ago. One of the storylines that they were doing, I got to write an article. So that oh, was the first and only foray into something like that. It was, it was an interesting experience. <laughs> but you know, it's like the same thing. You know, we talk about Lord of the Rings. We talk about Star Wars, these worlds that not only have these gigantic, gigantic cultures to them but also their gigantic fan culture so that that must have been intimidating you know star wars fans are notoriously fickle we'll go we'll go with fickle (laughs) instead of terribly toxic and terrifying sometimes and trolls they're they're passionate oh there we go that was a nice spin i think i think that's true of any fandom really like you people Mm -hmm. are passionate about what they like and then when it's not represented in the way that they envision it in the way they think it should be represented. It it's very hard for them to separate that. I think. Mm-hmm. So. so so yeah. So going back to your books, right. though, let's. So obviously, you started writing during a very difficult time in your life. It was a great way for you to kind of 
channeled that emotion into something creative and something powerful for you to, you know, kind of take control of it, which, you know, is respectful or respectable. <laughs> Words are hard today, so please bear with yeah, me. He's not on a, he's not it's working fine. with a lot of sleep here. Oh, no. Sleep when I'm, I'll sleep when I'm. Usually I stumble all over myself and then end up halfway through the interview going, believe me, I can word it. It, it works. <laughs> I, I do great wordings. Communication <laughs> isn't always exist in verbal language. That's true. Exactly. And this you know, is why authors have editors. Yes. <laughs> and that's why podcasts have editors too. Unfortunately, it's still me. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh no let's I've got get... a bad feeling about this <laughs> oh, so, solid. Uh, nice callback thank you so tell us a little bit about the world you created then the story centers around a you know she loses her husband very early on in their marriage that was definitely derived from my own personal experience but in this world when two people actually have the I don't know what the right word is I'm looking for here. They have the capability for magic within them, but they can't actually access it. And they wouldn't know it until the the soulmate or spouse of that person dies in a tragic, unexpected way, Mm -hmm. at which point their souls form a bond and they develop the ability to heal Mm -hmm. through magic. So it begins with her husband dying, and then she goes to the City of the Blessed, which is where the magic users live and train. And she begins training as one of the soulbound. And then we take a little time jump and we find her thrown into some events and scenarios that are just way over her head, which, I mean, I think anybody can kind of relate to that. All of us have been thrown into something like that at some point. Usually it's, you know, it it doesn't have to do with blood magic and terrible things and it's not life or death, but it it can be overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) Typical Tuesday here. (laughs) Yeah. So, and unfortunately, I, I did not get any magic powers when I became a widow, but I mean, it would have been an amazing origin story, but it's not the case. <laughs> but you know what? It's a very unique origin story because in a world where the the superpowers or the magic powers, it's a very saturated type thing. You know, we you, you have 10 trillion Marvel movies, which we love. We'll never, you know, downplay, you know, we love our Marvel movies. I love yeah. our DC movies. Rob doesn't like DC. <laughs> Ish. I like Wonder Woman, so yeah. you know. But you know, the thing that the, all those characters usually have in common is it's either a power they're born with and they grow into, or it comes at a time, you know, just at a very convenient time. I like the right. idea that your character, and obviously it is, a, it's a you know a part of your process and your healing, and it's a it's a power that comes at a cost and a power that's not just given. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that yeah. it's a unique spin because I wanted to ask you, in a, in a world where magic and sorcery and a lot of these things are very, it's in a saturated market, a lot of people do the fantasy, the superhero, yeah. the, the good versus evil epic. I wanted to ask how, how you made your stand out and you already answered for me. At what, I did worry about that a lot for a while because I wanted to write a, a book before even going through all that before getting married and I wanted to come up with something unique and then when you know when my husband died and I was dealing with this emotional trauma and he was sort of a local celebrity so it was it was really quite public and the way that he died was very public and you know I had people walk down my street and point at that at the house with me sitting on the porch and go is that where the guy lived and you know it was difficult so this provided a way for me to tell people how it felt that was safe and then it 
it also just, it was the story I wanted to tell. So at some point you just stop worrying about it and just go, you know what? Is this a story I want to tell? I'm going to tell it. Right. On your own terms. So now readers, yeah. readers don't always become writers and writers don't always become readers. So at what point did you being read to and being involved in that reading world translate into you being a writer? Well, I originally wanted to go into acting because I thought, you know, I wanted to tell stories and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was that I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to act and pretend and be in these other worlds. And then I I did stage and don't get me wrong. I love it. It's a blast. I've had some really fun experiences doing that, but I realized I didn't want to just act out the story somebody else told. Mm -hmm. I wanted to tell the story i wanted to decide what happened and what was involved and which characters were important and why one experience was important and the other was not and that just sort of slowly translated into writing but even as a kid my parents would often hear in parent teacher conferences oh she's a great kid you know she's (laughs) well behaved but she daydreams all the time so i was always telling stories those are the best students (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I mean that seriously, Always like, like I would rather have a, a daydreaming, you know, uh, student who doesn't turn things in on time than to have someone who <laughs> does everything they're supposed to do and does exactly what you ask them to do. You know, there's no creativity right. there. So at, at what point, so it sounds like you were always a storyteller. At what point did your writing start to become therapeutic for you? Like, at what point did you say, you know, I want to sit, and it might have been before, sit down and say, you know, this is a way I can get myself out and and I can work out what I'm going through. How How did you come across that healing aspect of it? I think it was always a part of the storytelling. It was just, I always needed to escape. I I was not, I've always been an introvert. So I was always somebody that didn't want to go with the crowd. And it wasn't really until, you know, maybe the last 10 years or no, 20 now, like when Lord of the Rings, the movie and the Harry Potter movies came out, fantasy and sci-fi was not cool. And if you were into it, you were not cool. Mm -hmm. And you were made well aware of that. (laughs) Nowadays, the sci-fi club and the fantasy clubs are the most popular clubs in the schools. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Uh, So I always... (laughs) So I would think of stories and and scenarios where I, I had friends and I was on an adventure and I was not just on a farm in the middle of Kansas because absolutely a farm girl in the middle of Kansas. I was that trope. And then... Certainly after my husband died, it, I was aware of the fact that this was therapeutic. And still to this day, like when I'm stressed, I want to write. That's when I want to write the most. If I'm not stressed, I'm like, I'm going to watch YouTube. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so when you're stressed That's and you go-to. write, is it always fantasy or is it sometimes personal stuff? It's almost always fantasy or mm-hmm. occasionally sci-fi. I'm not going to lie. There is some uh, Star Wars The Old Republic fan fiction Ooh. that I share with just my co-author. <laughs> <laughs> so, but even when I play games, I come up with entire backstories for my characters. They're never the stories in the game. Mm-hmm. The minor so much more involved. <laughs> there is nothing more captivating than a good character creator in a video game. Oh, yeah. I judge any role-playing game by how in-depth I can make my character. Because I'm the same way. When I was younger, same thing. I was a big superhero fan, as anybody who's listened to our shows or been on our website or talk, like talked to me for four and a half seconds will gather. <laughs> and same thing. When I was younger, you didn't you didn't go around telling people that you you loved comic books yeah. or you wearing your Superman shirt. You'd get made fun of. You'd get teased. And 
you know, it's it's so empowering nowadays that it's it's the the nerds rule. Like we we, we won. Do. Yeah, the geeks have inherited the earth. <laughs> We're more. Fun. They made movies about that, and they came true. <laughs> and you know what? It's it's funny because especially like you go to like Comic Con or my wife and I went to Book Con. I was like, I didn't even know Book Con was a thing. Yeah. And like that. We're in that world now where the creative people are the ones that are really impacting people on levels that yeah. nobody ever thought was ever going to be possible. So yeah. speaking of levels that you thought maybe weren't possible, you have three – you have a trilogy and then you have a prequel and another uh-huh. book coming up. Did you ever yep. expect <laughs> that it was going to explode into so many books? Did you plan for it or – did you just start writing one day? You were like, I'm going to keep writing and make another book. I was really terrified when I started the trilogy that that was my one idea mm-hmm. and that I would write it and then I wouldn't have another idea that I could complete. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the first book I even gave a fair amount of closure because I was like, what if I don't write the other one? Yeah, I was just going to ask that. Was it always a planned trilogy? It was always a planned trilogy. I didn't know for sure how there were two ways it could end, mm-hmm. and I didn't pick how it was going to end until close to the end of the second book. Okay. But there were there were two possible endings. How much does not make it into the books? I'm really pretty structured about what goes into the books. I'm not one that really deviates a lot from my outline. Mm. Sometimes I'll get a good idea or I'll develop, expand more on an idea as I go. But generally speaking, I know what's going to happen. But I also know backstories for characters and histories, and Mm -hmm. I know what's going to happen to them, and I know where they're from. And that's how the prequel happened, because I knew the great-great-grandparents of the, the, the current ruler, and I knew how that family got to the throne so it all just sort of depends if some of it makes it into books if it's if it's like a relevant idea yeah. it will probably make it into a book there are little nuggets for a series i want to do following different characters that takes place after the the trilogy but i had to write the prequel first because i had to introduce a country before i could write that series <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. So, do you find more enjoyment in writing for the good guy or the bad guy? Oh, Oh, it depends on the bad guy. There it is. (laughs) The the bad guy in the prequel is, oh, well, there's two, and they're so fun because it's all very, um, like, everything is sort of two sided and two faced, and it's all. Everything has a double meaning, and they know that they're not good. They mm-hmm. know that they're doing something oh. terrible, which means they have it justified through the roof because they know they have to. <laughs> and it's it's fun, too, because most of the times villains are the things that make the hero iconic. Like, as much as we remember characters like Frodo or Legolas, like, everybody also remembers Sauron and yeah. Saruman and, you know, the yeah. orcs and the bad guys. Or like you yeah. talk Harry Smaug. Potter and Smaug. <laughs> but like you talk Harry, <laughs> Harry Potter, you also talk Voldemort. You talk Luke Skywalker. You talk yeah. Darth Vader. Absolutely Darth Vader, yeah. Still the, one Absolutely. of the most legendary bad guys of all time. Well, um, I mean, James Earl Jones voiced him like me. <laughs> but you know what? So you'd be you'd be happy to hear he actually lives like ten minutes from here. <laughs> oh, that's just awesome. <laughs> he is notoriously that's not awesome. very friendly, though. To uh, <laughs> which I get. You know, I get that. 
Because if I yeah. was if I was sitting there going, oh my god, that's Darth Vader and Mufasa. While he's sitting there trying to have a cup of coffee, I don't I don't think he'd be too no, thrilled. No. Yeah, it get annoying to constantly be hearing, constantly have people going. Do, do the voice. Can you just say, Luke? This is my coffee. You know? oh. <laughs> like I can see that being really oh. annoying after a while. Yeah, it's like Leonard Nimoy just putting his hand up in the spot, and oh, all the god. nerves yeah. just going crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, they just faint. You know, it's like the Beatles walked in the door or something. <laughs> so now for your books, have you ever put any thought about some sort of adaptation to them? Because obviously Lord of the Rings turned into the blockbuster movie. And oh, again, yeah. and the Amazon series <laughs> coming I, I will up say and... it is a blockbuster phenomenon. Yeah. As much as as much as I kind of tuned out during Return of the King just because it was a little long for my taste. And then it kept trying to end, but they kept not ending it. <laughs> Yeah, that's my version of a chick flick. Like I cried the whole lot, last half oh, of the sure. movie. I'm bawling. Mm-hmm. I you get make me watch like a, a romance movie, and I'll be like, I would like to go do something else. Put me in Return of the King, and I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is so touching. They're, they're all jumping on Frodo's bed. I love it. <laughs> oh, I have absolutely thought of it. I always mentally cast my characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know who I would want to see in that role. And that actually just helps me with the visualizations. Oh, well, yeah. Because so, it, it plays like a movie in my head. So who are some of your dream castings then? <laughs> this always comes up. And one day Ben Barnes will hear one of these and be like, she's obsessed with me. Oh, I love Ben. I love Ben <laughs> Barnes. I'm a big fan of Ben He's Barnes. He's got a really, um, really expressive face. Mm-hmm. Just really expressive eyes. He's also which got is that why... very old school like swashbuckler kind of like orlando bloom he's got a very old school kind of look to him and he's got that british accent which i'm a complete sucker for so (laughs) Uh, i would picture him as the main character aceland's soulmate i would picture ben barnes as rory richard madden would be one of the characters wow and then there's also an actor and he's in the outpost, his name is Jake's. I think it's pronounced Stormolin. I'm not okay. sure how he pronounces his last name, but I picture I would picture him as my wizard. And then in the prequel, I would picture an actor named Toby Regbo as the main uh, male mm-hmm. character. And he actually knows this. And Ooh. yeah, he actually knows oh, it cool. and said the the book's name and the character's oh, name. Wow. He mispronounced it, but he said the character's name <laughs> on his public cameo page. Oh, wow. So, oh wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's really so cool. cool. Like, yeah, he was. I was really touched by that. Oh, I love that. That that's really cool. Like, you know, the idea of we all have our fan castings. Right. We all have our actors yeah. who could, who could do no wrong. Like, you know, I'm a big Henry Cavill fan, and I'll yeah. say, I'll, oh, he's amazing. And like, he's also a giant nerd. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And like, it's weird. Yeah, he's really cool. We we there was a video of him that went viral of him building a computer, and <laughs> nice. Like, he's just building a computer and. He's wearing a tank top, and I'm I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, why is this going viral? My wife's like, I'll tell you why this is going viral. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain yeah. it to you. <laughs> Let me just lower the lights, and I'm going to explain to you thoroughly. <laughs> but then you have like he, you know? he does uh, The Witcher, and The Witcher yeah. is another great adaptation of a book series. So for you, if your books were to be adapted, would you prefer the big theatrical release? Or something like a Netflix or a streaming service where it's broken up into pieces? It would depend on which book. The trilogy, I think, honestly, the format would be film. Mm-hmm. It would, I would, you know, Peter Jackson, 
right that give me a call like i would trust him with my babies and (laughs) the prequel i think could be either because the prequel does i think the prequel would work well as like a mini series Mm. and then the new series the fey touched chronicles i think would be a good like netflix series or something so and that's i'm co-writing that one and so now you've opened the door so now you gotta tell us about your new series coming up the new series is called the fey touched chronicles it's going to be a four book series three of which the first drafts are written. The first two are actually pretty much ready for publishing. Oh, wow. The first book is Sears Choice. It comes out on February 22nd, and it's available for pre-order in um, ebook form. These books take place in the Victorian era. And we actually, we mentioned like Jack the Ripper in one of them, and we mentioned the Loch Ness Monster in another mm-hmm. one. But the it centers around... A group of characters and the way that it works is the stories are not all connected but they all sort of focus on different characters from the same group mm-hmm. so the first book is called Sears Choice and it's about uh, this young woman named Ione Brentwood and she ends up calling off her engagement the very night before her wedding which awkward Mm. and gets (laughs) sent to Scotland by her very irate father over this. But she's what is known as a fae-touched person, which means she has the fae in her her lineage, and she has magical abilities. So she's an oracle. She can see the future. And she goes to Scotland and meets uh, a handsome Scottish laird by the name of Geordie McLaren. And he's got some stuff going on, you know, is... His father was murdered, and that murderer is still at large, and they have to figure out what's going on. And through that, we meet his four friends, Asher Burton, Quinn Rutherford, and Ross McInerney. And the books actually end up following each one of those friends on their various adventures. That's a lot of fun. Now, so here at our network, we're big fans of the show Supernatural. I don't know if you're you're familiar. So I of, am. I, I can only watch it in small doses, though, because my entire job deals with having a good imagination, and oh, it yeah. does, in fact, run away with me. And so I'll be in bed going, Supernatural's just, it's just a show. That shadow <laughs> is just your jacket. You know it's just your jacket. Yes, we, we're not Dean allowed to watch. Sam are not here. <laughs> we're not allowed to watch it past a certain hour, and that's for my wife. But the reason I bring it up is they do a lot of research into the mythological creatures that they incorporate into the show. And the show went for 15 years, and they were still pulling all this lore out. Now, you're talking about uh, Fae-touched characters. What kind of thought goes into your magical creatures? Do you look at real-life – well, real-life inspirations is a strange phrasing. (laughs) But um, (laughs) inspirations from actual mythology, is it mostly your own? Uh, So, like, how does that process work for you? I look at a lot of folklore. I like to pick on like various creatures of folklore that aren't talked about a whole lot or that I think should be used more with, I always tend to go with a sort of Celtic Irish bent oh, yeah. mm-hmm. because I don't know, I just like it. So it depends like with the, the series I'm working on now, I am co-writing it. So there's also back and forth and we talk mm-hmm. about it. One of us will get an idea and tell the other one and then we'll both either get really excited about it or the other one will go, mm. And then, you know, we, we adapt, but yeah, it's pretty fun. Also Sam and Dean, Kansas boys, but they never pronounced (laughs) the name of my town correctly in that series. And they did, well, they never actually came here, 
they never actually went to Lawrence either because it looks nothing like no. the series show. It's so weird how it looks like Vancouver, Canada all the time. I know. Yeah. But yeah, they, they have been to Salina, Kansas in Supernatural, okay. but they pronounce it Salina and it's wrong. <laughs> so who are some of your, uh, you mentioned Tolkien. Who are some of your other influences? Oh, older, inf- we'll start older and then we'll work towards <laughs> modern stuff. So what, yeah, what, what's, what really pushes, what does it for you? Well, you know, I loved Alice in Wonderland when I was okay. younger. I still do because it's cool. Oh, There's yeah. also an author named Juliet Marlier, mm-hmm. and she writes fantasy. My favorite of her work has been the Seven Waters series, and it follows different generations of the same family in medieval Ireland. And it ties in some of, like, the Irish folklore of, like, the little people and all of that. It's just, it's so good. The first one follows, it's like an adaptation of the fairy tale The Six Swans, but you know, told for adults. And it's yeah. just, it's really, they're amazing. Her, her voice is amazing. She writes in first person and I, I never do because for whatever reason that intimidates me. Mm. And I just, I want to know all the things going on. <laughs> I don't want to know just what the one character is seeing, but her, her work is really amazing. I also really love the book, The Neverending Story, which is like oh the, the movies and then some, <laughs> yep. it's, my- it's really, it's I think you just won my wife over as a fan. (laughs) Yay! Because it's good. (laughs) Just anything that really, really transports me Mm -hmm. is like those are the names that I can just come up with off the top of my head. But there are other authors like that I'll remember the the book title more. I really like the book Wicked. I think that that one's really good. Obviously, The Wizard of Oz because I'm in Kansas, Kansas. and and we are very proud of it. And how would you describe your style? I would describe it more uh, European fantasy with the good versus the good versus evil. Um, I like I like to do descriptions. I don't do as much as Tolkien. No, thank God. <laughs> but I I do like creating a world, and I like the imagery, and I like creating the feeling in a scene. So, because I always see it, I always know what it looks like. I know what the characters sound like, and for me, it's it's just creating the experience for mm-hmm. the reader. How has been uh, how, now with this new book? Is this the first time you're writing with a co-author? Professionally, yes. Okay, how but I've the... I've known her for 21 years, okay. and I was 19 when I met her. Oh, all right. So she was really like a big part of my development as a writer. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really excited to be writing with oh, her that... because for the longest time I was just like, Oh, you know, has, totally that... Looked up. has that changed your style at all? I, we definitely both adapt our style to work together. The way that we write it when we're writing the books together, it's really interesting. And it's kind of a role play while we do it. We each have <laughs> characters that we helm that we control. For instance, in Sears choice, I write Ione She's my character. I created her. I'm the one that decided, you know, who she was and what her power was. And she wrote Jordy. So, you know, we always write the the, the opposite sides of whatever mm. couple we have. And then I also wrote Jordy's friend Ross, who is the lead character, or the lead male male character in the second book. So. Oh, cool. And then we just we get in a shared doc and we write back and forth like we will have the the conversations in character with each other and of course we have to worry about point of view and getting yes. in the descriptions and everything and making sure it's proper narrative form but 
it's it's just a lot of fun. Oh, it's yeah. a little bit of play while we work. That is fun. That's awesome. Now, when you're not working with her, do you have a regiment for your writing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what? it starts with coffee. <laughs> <laughs> do you, is it a strict regimen, like daily, or is it more of a whenever you feel kind of regimen? Or what, tell, tell, me, tell us about it. It's daily oh, for me. I'm, it did not start out. I developed that over time. It mm-hmm. was not always so like strict and, and regulated, but I developed a sort of, this is how I do it. This is when I work. And it also like, I'll start with like going on YouTube and I'll look up different music, usually cinematic music mm-hmm. to sort of help me envision the world or the scene or whatever I know that I'm going to write. And then I'll just get in and I have a certain amount of words I have to write per day which is like the minimum is 6,000 words a day. Hmm. That's my minimum. And I have, I have at one point for one chapter, I think I wrote like 30 pages in one day. (laughs) So I was just (laughs) in the zone. zone. (laughs) I forgot that the world existed and I try to keep business hours, but if I'm on a roll, I'll just keep going and And writing with someone else. I have to be a little more flexible with that. Now I know, of course, you know, we have, you have an editor, I'm sure that an editor pairs things down. How much of that writing gets pared down and, and, and sharpened and how much stays in like percentage wise, would you say around? Generally, it's not pared down. It grows because I my first draft is almost always just sort of the skeleton of the story. I get it out and then I go through and rewrites and I add and I fill in and I, you know, I change and I tweak and I go, oh, well, if I change this a little bit here, it's going to go better there. I can hint at that thing later if I put this word here and then I'll send it to a beta reader who's also an English teacher actually (laughs) and I have her read that my first round of rewrites and then I go through her notes and then I go through another round of rewrites and then I send them to the editor and then she sends it back to me and you know sometimes it's ripped to shreds and I I have to put the ego aside for a minute Mm -hmm. have a candy bar and pout (laughs) maybe a glass of wine and then I I go back and I look at her notes and it's usually more fine-tuning than than paring down because I like I said I really tend to be very this happens here this happens here this you know like I know what needs to happen when it needs to happen so I'm pretty strict about about that oh, that's wonderful that's so great to hear too that you have such a like there's so many planning stages too in rewriting for yourself <laughs> which is, is yeah. so key to, to bringing out that voice and bringing out your descriptions that's so, wonderful. yeah, unfortunately, we are running a little short on time, and I always like to ask one of my favorite questions to ask towards the end is, what's next for mm-hmm. you? What's coming down the pipeline that you can tell us about? Well, uh, Sears Choice on the 22nd, mm-hmm. and then six weeks and one day later on my co-author's birthday, we'll be releasing Healer's Touch, which is the second book in the Fae Touched Chronicles. And then about six weeks after that, wow. hopefully, will be Lady of the Lock. L-O-C-H, as in like Loch Ness. That will be the third book in the Bay Touch Chronicles. And then we are in the process of writing Agent of Change, which is the fourth book. And that will hopefully be six weeks after that. So basically just work, work, work. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Then I have other ideas with her and I have some solo projects that I want to do, but I needed to take a little break from the solo work to give myself time to recharge and figure out how I want that to proceed. So 
Alejandra. A lot. And uh, we would love, 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 love to have you back on the show after your next set of books comes out so we can uh, definitely talk about them a little bit. Is that all right with you if we reach out again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Love love to do it. I know that my co-author, when she's back on her feet, would love to do it. And I just want to send a little love out to her and tell her feel better soon. Recover quickly. So So for anybody who wants to learn a little bit more about you, where are the best places for them to go? Well, you can go to Facebook and you can find my personal profile there, which is Kristen Stovall, or you can look at the Boundless Fantasy page, which is the umbrella under which I am published. So you can find me there. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram and keep people keep telling me I should get TikTok, but I have not taken that plunge yet. It's a dangerous plunge. It's so dangerous. (laughs) It's so weird. It is such a strange, strange plunge. I can barely keep up with Twitter, so... Well, Chris, Facebook is the place I'm most often at. Oh, perfect. Well, you're, you're clearly a very talented, very resourceful, and very uh, well-informed, educated individual in terms of the writing world, which is wonderful Thank to you. see. <laughs> and uh, we wish you the best of luck with this upcoming release. And, and we hope to read you know, much more about you in the coming years with all the different books and adaptations maybe that are coming out yeah too. <laughs> fingers crossed peter jackson give me a call <laughs> well Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with us tonight it was a lot of fun and uh we look forward to having you back on the show soon thanks for having me thanks thank a lot you so Kristen. much have a good rest of your night all right you too Bye-bye. bye man she was really cool yeah she was. she's she's a lot of good energy i love that so we want to thank you guys also for tuning in. Make sure if you guys uh, get a chance, check out uh, Kristen's books. She, I mean, just talking to her a little bit about them and just, you could feel the passion. You could feel how. Yeah. I saw she, she came alive most when she spoke about her characters and those are clearly individuals that, that she lives with that, that are, are true and real to her. And, and that's wonderful. That's, that's the sign of a great author. Yeah. So thank you guys for tuning in tonight. If you guys want to hear more from us, you can go to themisfitfaction.com. There you'll find links to all of our different content, our different shows, our brand new merchandise store. What? That's there too. So if you guys are looking to get a little uh, Misfit Faction swag, that's the place to go. You can also find us on Facebook, The Misfit Faction, or any of our other shows, MF Uncensored, The Multiverse Fancast, or Cinematic Adventures, all over Facebook, all over your business. You can also find us on uh, YouTube, The Misfit Faction Media Network, or on Instagram, The Misfit Faction. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I'm Paul. And I'm Rob. And we'll be back next time. Namaste.